Hello and welcome to uh, freaking uh, the podcast. Uh, so, so the podcast, it's the only podcast that happens. That's right. It's this, this is that happens. And is that a new intro? I think it really rolls off the tongue. Uh, my name is Spencer here and, you know, uh, no Jeff, but uh, I, I, uh, sorry that I couldn't make it to the last show. Um, you know, Jeff said he could handle it all on his own. You know, he's a famous comedian, uh, improviser. And so I'm sure it all went off without a hitch you know just an amazing show again sorry i couldn't be there but uh you know uh i'm sure you loved it uh but you know let's 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 think about moving forward uh today on the show uh of course we have kevin and uh we have a, a guest that's near and dear to my heart he's the jolly uh you know i don't know what color giant um he's <laughs> the the menace with a heart of gold he's uh the freaking swamp thing i don't know uh we got derek mears on the show how's it going derek hold on i'm gonna hold for applause at home and that might be well, the, one of the best maybe, intros maybe, i've ever had <laughs> i think maybe hold a bit longer for applause i think we're still going <laughs> okay oh, wow that's that's very flattering okay oh yeah no our audience is great and i love our fans um so uh but yeah uh thanks so much uh i i can't believe that's the nicest introduction you heard but i can believe that you would say that because you're one of the nicest men on the planet i don't know oh. It's all a manipulation, my friend, because I try to be nice to everybody, but one person I'm a dick to, and that person's like, hey, I met Derek. He's a total dick. Then everyone turns on that person, and they think they're crazy. So uh-huh, like, that's I'm amazing. Like, I'm not so nice anymore, am I? That's actually kind of one of the coolest forms of gaslighting I've ever heard of. So, um, <laughs> cool And that's right, folks. Today, the, <laughs> It is. It's cool gaslighting. And the topic of today's show, of course, is gaslighting, how to do it, how to get away with it, how to reverse it. When someone's gaslighting you, how can you gaslight them back? Um, but so, you know, we brought in the expert. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, but yeah, uh, I don't know. <laughs> what are we going to do today? I know that Jeff uh, is calling in he's he's on the line so if we have time for jeff maybe we'll talk to him um but you know right now we got a guest who's here and we're we're gonna we're gonna talk to him so so let's just start real you know how how's your day what's up how's your week been uh everything's great uh i'm actually a fan of the podcast so it's wild i feel like (laughs) i've won like a fan sweepstakes to be on the show uh which i think this episode is the episode that i won't listen to uh because i already know it turns out uh but uh but the day's going great uh my face is a little red i decided like a dumb dumb face to take a shower before doing this and i'm like oh we are video way to go <laughs> so i'm not yeah. just yeah. blushing or shy all the time it's just the uh the hot shower and me being an idiot yeah so uh so derek if you don't know is you're an actor a stuntman a voice actor i believe as well right any any other big ones yeah i'm getting into that right now Uh, and on the stunt side um uh it's while i haven't done stunts for for a while uh uh uh, but technically for the half of my career i I did do stunts and it's all been acting right now and uh, Mm -hmm. very very lucky to do so the phone keeps ringing and it's (laughs) keep waiting for it to end but it doesn't so i was just like if it all ends right now i'm very thankful to have been in all these different projects that i've been able to be a part of yeah i'm in a similar position where you know i think the phone has stopped ringing but the the, (laughs) as 
as everything stops, I am, you know, grateful to have been here. I, I don't, you know, it's, you know, if this is, if this is my lot in life, I think that's fine. I think I got it a lot better than a lot of people get it, you know? So, uh, you know, that, that's all good, but I don't know. Uh, you're a person that I find really interesting. Um, you, you obviously know Dan and Jeff. Um, you know, Jeff is actually a co-host of the show. Uh, you can see his face is on the logo. Um, oh, that, Jeff. Yeah, we're always looking at the logo of our faces. Um, <laughs> but how do you know Jeff? Like, where'd you, how'd you first meet him? Oh, my gosh. Um, when did Jeff and I meet? Uh, uh, we met through improv. Uh, we were doing this imp- uh, national improv show uh, where he played for the Los Angeles team. And at the time, I lived in Bakersfield, California. And I played for the Bakersfield team. Uh, in comedy sports, right? In comedy sports, yes. Every mm-hmm. year they would have a big national tournament uh, in Milwaukee uh, in the beginning. And now since it's been in different uh, states and different uh, cities. But every year they have a big national tournament where, where each team would send uh, their top players uh, uh, to do, uh, basically, it's basically a convention. And it's a way mm-hmm. for like, it's like Bakersfield versus New York or Madison versus Los Angeles. It's just about taking workshops and meeting other people and having fun. And Jeff was on the LA team, and uh, same thing with, with Dan and those guys. Uh, uh, they were on the Milwaukee team. Uh, there's hundreds upon hundreds of people, and there's a certain group of us who just kept kept flocking together because I'm like, oh, I like you, I like your style, like you're a good sure. dude. And we'd hang out year after year, and we were friends. And then eventually, I moved to LA, and I got asked to join the LA uh, comedy sports. And Jeff and I were performing together, and we eventually became roommates. And I've known Jeff, I don't know how many years now, since I was in my teens, I think. Wow. Which is crazy. But, yeah. Yeah, that is, that's that's wild, man. So, uh, I don't know a lot about comedy sports, but mm-hmm. it sounds like it's a little bit different than, like, what I understand, like, a groundling style or, like, you know, what is it exactly? Yeah, quickly, uh, and I, I don't do comedy sports anymore, but but what it is, I, it's still going on uh, around uh, the country. It's a competitive improv where mm-hmm. it's done in a sports format setting. There's like two group, two teams of three different te- people, They're like a red team, a blue team, and they're the MC of the show uh, or the judge of everything is a, a referee. So there's different games, like theater games. Uh, it's called short form improv. So you're doing quick games, like quick four minute games, each team and then the audience will vote which one they like better at the very end. You know, uh, you know one team beats the other team, but there's fun fouls. Where like if someone uh, they try to do like a clean show or a family friendly show. So if someone says something dirty, lewd, crude, lascivious, uh, a whistle is blown and a flag is thrown from the referee, and the person who said the offending bad thing will have to wear like a brown paper sack on their head. <laughs> or there's the apology foul. If you say something that's punny, I don't know, inane, stupid, that makes the audience like ooh, groan out loud in agony. Um, like 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 an example, like they they would do something like you know. Uh, did you hear about uh, uh, why the bicycle uh, got out of bed late? No, why? No. Because it was too tired. Uh, oh, no. And when people groan, a flag is thrown in the air. Uh, uh, it's all the spotlight. It's played like on AstroTurf as well, which is wild. So the spotlight turns out, and there's like a little batter's box, and everything stops, and you have to step forward and apologize to the audience for what you said. <laughs> uh, and you make up, you improvise an apology, and if they accept it, you continue on no harm, no foul. But if you don't, you lose, you know, a point for your team. But it's all, 
it, it's done as a competitive, but it's really just about putting on a good show and supporting each other. And it's really positive. And it, it, it kind of, it gave me my start and I've gone off to do other types of improv since, but uh, a lot of good people, you know, with their hearts in the right place. Yeah. So, uh, so that makes it sound like it's more, they just use the trapping of sports as kind of like a thematic aesthetic or yeah. something, but do people get competitive at all? Or is it just all funny? So <laughs> in anything there's, there's politics within any sure. show or company, but some do, some don't, uh, they, they have a, it's comedy sports with a Z on the end because the Z mm-hmm. was hilarious in the eighties. Oh, it's zany. Uh, <laughs> but, um, but yeah, that's how we all met. And it's such a weird thing now that, you know, like with like, like Harmon and uh, Dan Harmon and Rob Schraub and Jeff Davis, like we've all that small little group have now moved out here to LA and we've all kind of taken off in, you know, the different aspects and the different mediums of art here in Los Angeles, which is pretty fun. Yeah. So, I mean, I don't know timeline wise, but I mean, you, you kind of started more in stunts, right? So did comedy sports somehow lead you into doing stunt work at all? Or actually it's just the opposite. The, uh, um, mm-hmm. I, I, I started in acting. I, I got into acting, uh, in Bakersfield. I was doing improv in Bakersfield. And at the time I was doing uh, theater in Bakersfield and, uh, through college, I was like, Oh, I could have fun. And I, I remember at one point I, I was talking with my, my mom and she's like, what do you want to be when you grow up? And I go, well, I don't know. I, I just want to, I don't need to be rich or famous. I just want to, you know, make enough money to survive. And I want to play with my friends because all I did was like play Dungeons and Dragons all the time. And I go, how do I do this? <laughs> and uh, improv, so much of acting and improv are from that. Uh, I, I, since I moved to LA, uh, I'll be a little lengthy because I'll tie Jeff into all this. Sure. I moved into, uh, moved to LA to do uh, uh, the acting. Um, and when I moved to LA, uh, people always think like, because, oh, you're like six, five and two thirty, and you look athletic, like you're a sports guy or, you know, you did this your whole life ago. Oh no, I had like family martial arts growing up. Uh, and I did, you know, sports in schools, but nothing, you know, mm-hmm. I, I couldn't do a pull up. You know, I had like man <laughs> boobs. I had, I looked more like the kid from deliverance, <laughs> which okay. is crazy. Um, but when I moved to LA, uh, um, and was doing the comedy here and getting my, my, uh, my bearings uh you know jeff was so gracious and helped me out so much you know and i had you know friends here uh he we became roommates and at the time he was working at universal studios as mm-hmm. a walk around frankenstein oh and, okay <laughs> yeah i don't know if did you guys know that at all no but he has been like a, a six flags kind of actor i think right uh like a like a, a stage character kind of walk around person he's talked about that but i don't remember uh any frankenstein i'm sure he's talked about it but i don't remember frankenstein yeah, it's so awesome but one day uh, uh he came uh we, we were talking he goes hey they're doing this audition i don't know why i'm doing that voice i gave Jeff- <laughs> charismatic no, jeff day was a tough That's guy good. voice so, uh, Derek, what's up to me? <laughs> Jeff B. Davis, King of Charisma. No, Jesus Christ, what am I thinking? Um, but no, so Jeff came to me because, hey, uh, there's a show at Universal called the Wild 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 West Stunt Show where it's wow. half improv and half physical, uh, you know, stunts and physical comedy. And he goes, mm-hmm. you're so strong at physical comedy, dude. He goes, I-, I think you'd be really good at this. And again... The guys that they were hiring for this part were like either giant, like heavyset hillbilly looking like monster dudes or like Conan muscular like, right. ripped abs. And I was neither of those two dudes. Again, I was more like deliverance, like, hey, comedy's fun. And uh, 
I auditioned and I got hired for, I kept improvising because I also didn't know rules of things and I'm just learning. And I'm like, oh, you're not supposed to do, you know, you're, when you're doing, you're not supposed to improvise every time. Okay. Right. So I kept doing it and I got hired <laughs> full time. And that's how I came into the stunt part of things because they would, Universal would take actors and cross train them to do stunts and stunt people. Uh, to, they would cross train them to do acting. And I was an actor and I learned to do some of the stunts in the show, but a lot of the guys there were aspiring stuntmen and they're like, hey, we're going to go learn how to do like, uh, you know, a, a film fight or air ram, how to fall off this. Like, do you want to come? Uh, mm-hmm. And at that time, going back to Jeff again, Jeff also turned me on to an acting class uh, called Sam Christensen Studios, where mm-hmm. it mixes the, the, the teaching of uh, 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 Joseph Campbell, the Godfather of mythology, and right. Carl Jung. And he's like, I know how much you love mythology. I think you really like this. And that class changed my life. Uh, it's the reason that I have a career now because of that class. And uh, I would learn in that class because of Jeff. I was like, oh, I could be the big bad guy in TV and film if I worked out and trained. So I went and, you know, had my stunt friends. I just going, whatever advantage I could have going into something, the, the better skill set, the more I think I could work. At the time, I mean, I got my SAG card doing straight acting jobs by themselves. And so I started making a name doing acting and stunts at the same time. Uh, and it, it eventually got to the point, uh, career-wise, where I had to stop doing the stunts because Hollywood, for some reason, doesn't think you can do two different skill sets. Yeah, uh, yeah. Like either you're, you're a stunt guy trying to act or you're an actor trying to do stunts. I go, no, I can do both. Or that people would say like, oh, you're a stunt guy who turned into an actor. I go, no, I've always been an actor, which is right. Weird. Um, mm-hmm. But that's how, you know, I, I had to stop doing stunts years ago. On some of the things I'll do favors for, you know, stunt coordinators where I don't credit me. I want to come in and do this because it's fun. And they're like, but you, I'm like, shut up, let's do it. Um, but it's, uh, it's been great ever since. And I feel like I'm just so long-winded. I'm just talking about myself and I feel horrible about going me, 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 but I'm trying to add no, that's, Jeff to No, that's go. what I want to know. I mean, this is the stuff, you know, I, I know that when, when Jeff left, he was like, Hey there, brother, make sure when you interview people, you gotta, you gotta ask them the tough questions, you know? Um, so, you know, that's, that's again, that's how Jeff talks. We all know this, um, know but that. no, it's, it's super interesting. I don't know. Um, I mean, what's even, what's stunt training like? Is it kind of like a, a like a martial arts class you know is it like similar yeah yeah because the 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 show for the wild west stunt show was something you know you would train just for the stunts in that show um and you would you know the audition process that were they would uh you know test you to see a lot of it is just about body control and listening and seeing Mm -hmm. if you are trainable and um the the stunt training a lot of times like it's almost like you're a a gun for hire or or a a you're always ready for to learn new skill sets and go. So you have a basic athletic ability and like, you'll find out like, like before I did pirates of the Caribbean, I got hired for pirates of the Caribbean and they're like, I got hired as a stunt actor part and they go, Hey, uh, I go, I want to go out. I need to learn everything that I can about swords. I don't want to just learn that for the show. I need to be proficient in it. And, you know, I have some of them friends who are just like, you know, the top of the, the line for a lot of these, uh, um, different skill sets. And so it's a normal thing where you go, oh, I'm going to go train for three months uh, on swords. And so I know my stuff when we're going in and I'm not, you know, the one who's lagging or because when you get hired, your job is to make the stunt coordinator look as good as possible because he hired you. Mm -hmm. And, um, And also some people don't understand the difference between 
the acting and uh, uh, stunts is very like um, like white collar, blue collar, where mm-hmm. uh, as an actor, you can do what you want. You can have like, you're, if you're above the line, you can have your say because you're working on creating the character and having you know, your character arc and you know what you want to convey. But as a stunt person, a lot of times, uh, if you're a, a stunt member, your job it's basically like a soldier is like, what's the coordinator want to do? Like what's he, you're pre thinking what he's going to do next to help him out. You're basically just answering to him the entire time to make sure that he is, you know, he's the the top dog and you're doing what you're supposed to do. But yeah, it's, that's a wild thing. When people talk about getting into stunts, it's a lot of times it's having like an Olympic level ability in some sort of like, like gymnastics or martial arts. Um, But it's also gotten to the point where, there's there are guys who are all around stunt people, but there's that some of the skill level is so high that you know there's things like I would go and learn how to ride dirt bikes just so I can get to point A, point B. Because if they're ever going to do any dirt bike stunts, they're going to get the guys who are doing backflips and can cans and crazy stuff to do that. So I'm like, okay, so I had a particular skill set of what I could do and I what I couldn't do. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, I mean, uh, I don't know. I just a random thought. Uh, it popped into my head as you were talking. Um, it seems kind of weirdly a little bit like, I don't know. I even hesitate to say kind of like programming in the sense. It's like you kind of develop your own body of knowledge, but then depending on what programs they might like, Oh, we need you to figure this out. Um, Kevin is, is, is spitting mad. He, he is shaking his head. I, I guess he's insulted by this, but, uh, uh I, I don't know. It, Kevin it seems like hates knowledge. <laughs> but it's really interesting to be all like no you can do this but at the same time any given project is like can i actually do this i guess i'm gonna go learn up on my python or whatever you know <laughs> yeah, yeah. i don't know i don't want to i don't want to keep talking about stunts for too long although it is really fascinating but like i, I just want to know like did you ever do stunt driving or are there any kind of stunts that you were obviously you probably were involved in a lot of stunt fighting i would imagine right so kind of choreograph fighting but like what was kind of your lane or what did you like or you know the most my, my go-to was the fighting because my, my, after moving to LA, I, I continued my martial art training where I was like, when I learned that, like, oh, I could be the big bad guy, I took every martial art class and style that I could. Um, at one point, I was teaching Taekwondo, but I was like, studying so many different things like submission fighting, like uh, MMA, uh, judo, sambo, jiu-jitsu, um, uh, uh, it's it's cuckoo but i i wasn't a driver any of those guys like uh i was a guy who could t- take the punishment <laughs> or like doing what riding wires in the walls or you know hey you're six five you need to lock your body out you're going to pretend to get punched and keep don't protect yourself fall straight to your back to the cement having you know you have pads on but they don't protect the impact yeah uh, it's kind of like pro wrestling where you still got to get hurt you just oh, know how to not feel it, yeah. m- murder sure. yourself but it's just that that the um, the uh, uh, like I said the, the body control on a lot of the things like I wasn't a high, I, I practiced some high falls but I'm not a high fall guy because they have specialty guys for that because a lot of that stuff on the high end like driving and high falls like if you make a minor error you could cost you your your life and also somebody else's life because it's such a team effort and when people yeah. talk about I remember when I, when I was doing stunts people I would meet people who wanted to do stunts. And they're like, I'm crazy. Like, I've watched all the jackass movies. I'll do anything. I go, you're never going to get hired because there's a there's a misconception where these guys are out of control. I go, a lot of the guys are very intelligent and a lot of the stunts are well thought out. It, 
so meticulously, so narrows the margins for error or someone to get hurt. Um, because it's kind of like Murphy's law. If it's going to, if yeah. it's possible yeah. to go wrong, eventually it will. And you have to be able to be professional and on uh, aware of when it does to try to, you know, help or there's been so many like unfortunate events that would happen um, yeah. on sets and being right there and having right. to think quickly in the moment blows your mind. But I have so many friends who are professional stuntmen who I never, I don't say I'm a stuntman anymore because I don't want to take respect from them. Um, right. Though right. I did 1000%. I was a stuntman because these guys like the, the, in the old days, it was very like the, it was treated kind of with, with you know, the, the cowboys where like, you know, oh, I got hurt. Like nothing's going to, you know, sports rehab it more than whiskey. That's fine. But now it's kind of looked at more as a sport and people are, you know, training and finding new ways to heal themselves. And then the high end of like, basically like a professional athlete. Yeah. And it's, it's, it's interesting to me that it's like, it, it's got to involve a lot of visualization, which comes into play in sports a lot because you got to go like, exactly what is my body going to be doing? And then how could all like, what, what parts of the body or the set or the routine could fail? And then what will I do to make sure that no one gets, you know, more hurt if, so it's like, there's so many angles that you have to like understand. And that seems like it involves a lot of visualization. But the other thing I wanted to say is like, we're both big guys and I got to imagine it just seems like being a large human is already mm. kind of like taxing how our body's mechanics are supposed to function you know it's like mm. it, it seems like you're already kind of on the edge of oh just walking around made my leg fall off or something so i'd imagine <laughs> like it kind of it kind of it, it must impact you more and uh, you know i think in hollywood a lot of people are smaller or more towards average size and i mm. you know i think that you know it's got to make it it seems like it would be more dangerous or more you know injury prone if you're like a big guy doing stunts did you ever get any like injuries or you ever worried about that or are you just like you know i know what i'm doing it, it really varies on the person also there's factors that you can't ever control so you don't mm -hmm. know um yeah i mean i i luckily i mean i i did get injured but nothing like critical or anything big like you know broken little things here and there or you know like uh like on like on pirates of the caribbean two I think it was like there was a problem where like, we were doing practicing ship to ship transfers where you would literally grab like a, a, a rope and we were like 20 feet uh, up in the air and we would swing like 30 some odd feet out and you're supposed to rappel down uh, 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 with no like you have no safety on but you would rappel down and land on another ship and immediately go into a fight scene with the person you're supposed to the people you're supposed to fight on the other ship but there was one day we were practicing that uh, we were in the like a, uh, uh, in the Grenadines, like a, a kind of like a third world island, and we were practicing. Rather than going onto a ship, we're going from bigger ship uh, and swinging out all of us to a, a, a and rappelling down onto a, an old dock uh, for a rehearsal space. And we had these yard arms that we were all anchored to. Uh, and as we went out uh, during one of the rehear one of the rehearsals, the yard arm snapped. And oh, uh, we're all at different locations close to the ground uh, uh, or different right, heights on right. the ground. Some of us fell farther than others. And we fell and there's like rusty, like the, I forgot their call on boats, but the tie off pins on the docks. Like people, yeah, yeah. people hit yeah. those. And like I smashed my ankle. My ankle went sideways. Oh. One guy had uh, on his elbow a, such a deep cut that his bone was showing. And oh, like boy. we went to the hospital there and they're stitching him up. But it was weird because it was basically kind of like a, like a fancy not a fancy, but a, like a low end, um, and no, no disrespect to the, to the country at all. Uh, like a low end, uh, like a veterinarian's office. 
mm-hmm. and like we're like, hey, can I before you do that X-ray? Can I have that that metal thing to cover my my personal area? So if I want to have kids in the future, that's possible. Like, oh, okay, cool. But some like I said, some of these stunt guys, man, before like they are the lava. It's just that mental fortitude. These guys are tougher than sin. And, and men, when I say stunt people or stunt guys, I mean men and women. Like right. some of the women are like the toughest in the world, and like they are talented. But uh, but yeah, that, I've I've gotten different injuries and you know different things. Like you know you're getting you're especially the fights and you're getting hit in the face or beat up and someone's off. That's one thing. Also going back to explain the difference between acting and stunts. I, I being from both worlds, I can kind of be the middleman between the team between the right. two. Like mm-hmm. an example, like we did like a fight on, on one show, and one of the stunt guys like the actor won't do his choreography. Like he's not opening the camera, he won't stick. And I go, you got to understand, we see things differently. I go, you're very, you know, like mechanical, where like you're seeing the angles, you're seeing where the camera is, and your fight beats are this, and these are the motions I'm supposed to make. Where I hit the actor, he has the same thing, but his is emotional. He's into the scene, and the reality that he's creating is real for him. So if he ch- changes a, 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 which would be bad for a stunt person, if you're changing a fight beat or you're moving, he's not purposely doing it. He's surrendering to his character and doing what's happening in the scene. And sometimes he doesn't know what's happening. So he's getting frustrated that you're not letting him hit his emotional, you know, peaks and valleys. And I go, so you have to find that, you know, that middle ground. Like you to a fight scene, memorizing a fight scene, it's him memorizing his dialogue. So it's the same mm-hmm. thing. They're different there's basic like words, but you put them in different order. Same thing with a fight scene. There's different moves and different combinations that you do. So you're basically the same guys working on different sides of your brains and trying to, to, to draw that bridge together so it brings people closer so they can understand each other. We work better as a team and you get a better final product. Yeah, well, that seems like a yeah, definitely a unique, uh, relevant skill set. Um, you said you did theater. Um, I've never understood what the term like theatrical, theatrically trained meant. But are you theatrically trained? Technically, yes. Uh, there are bigger schools. I, I went to college for for theater. And I did like different plays and musicals. And the, the funny thing is that being that I uh, uh, one of the musicals we did in, in Bakersfield. <laughs> Was we did the musical Hair, which is ironic because I have alopecia and I don't right. have hair. I can grow facial hair now, but I had none at all. Nice. And having to wear mm-hmm. a wig and do a nude scene and sing in front of people, like it was pretty cuckoo crazy. Yeah, so al- alopecia areata is thought to be a systemic autoimmune disorder in which the body attacks its own antigen hair follicles and suppresses or stops hair growth. Um, do you have any comments on that? <laughs> <laughs> uh, yes, I do. First of all, did. Are you reading that somewhere or did yeah, you? Yeah, I am. Because <laughs> you sounded um, very on point and intelligent, and I like that very much. At a young age, I learned that if you just kind of have an authoritative tone, you can just kind of make anything sound real. It's 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 not a good thing to learn as a as a young person. Um, but I've come that's to de- embrace Spencer. dishonesty. Spencer, that's not mm-hmm. true. <laughs> oh no! I'm trying. Well, I, did believe it it. I believe did it. it. Work? Um, I believe it. It works. <laughs> But um, yeah, I don't know. Uh, so I, I don't know. Is that something like that you think about? It says here that it's an autoimmune disorder, but it doesn't mm-hmm. seem to manifest similarly to other autoimmune disorders in that you're constantly wondering what's happening. You're testing stuff to make it better. Like, was that anything that were you just like, okay, I guess I have no hair now. Like, because it happened when you're a kid, right? So you yeah, just kind yeah, of accept it. Fell it? Out. 
Yeah, yeah. It fell out like when I was in like the fifth or sixth grade or so. And mm-hmm. there's different variations of it where it, at the time was alopecia areata, where like different areas of hair would fall out. And they say it's it's brought on when mom A and dad B have certain genetic genes and, and stress right. causes it. There's been celebrities who have their uh, hair loss because of stress, um, but it's only temporary. But it, it fell out, and it was a it was a difficult thing in school because when you're younger, trying to figure out who you are, yeah, uh, the emotional roller coasters where you know the the hair would grow in, then fall out, then grow in, like oh, I'm a monster, I'm different, um, and it was I was kind of that like people knew me at school, like uh, uh, were like the the, the improv. In all vulnerability became like a way to kind of cope with things but with improv it gave me a platform to go oh it's okay to be me because we all have something that we're insecure about either we're too tall or too short or too wide or too thin or our teeth are messed up or it, does, it doesn't matter because it's it's who you are and that's what's important and so on my end when when i was doing improv i, I felt so accepted and so loved by people i used to wear wigs all the time uh, uh which is really funny uh looking <laughs> back at it now but i remember before in comedy sports going back to that one of the sh- i would have my hair off and rehearse with everyone or kind of warm up with everybody before going to do the main show and i remember going to go do the main show and i, and I grabbed my wig and i was putting it on and one of the uh, ladies that we perform with she's like can i ask you a question why do you wear that and no one had ever asked me that before Mm-hmm. And I sat there and think, and I took it off my head and I put it back on its little stand. I go, I put a little bandana on. I was so insecure about the hair. And I went, you know what? That's a very good question. And I went out and I did the show without the hair and I never wore it again. So <laughs> it, it, it's a crazy journey, you know, and taking that big leap to go to Los Angeles. Like I said, it could end at any time, but I kind of feel like in a way that it's... I, for me kind of surviving and going through that and there's so many other you know we all have our problems there's so many other worse things to have and it seems kind of petty and vain about hair but when you're younger and trying to figure that out and figure out who you are it was such a a joy to go oh man i'm so lucky to do this and like man like anybody else can do this as well like don't feel bad about who you are because it's kind of like i tie it back into D where it's like man you got to randomly roll character and there's pros and cons like that's just you accept who you are and play your game. How do you want your game to end out? Like, it, you get to be the one who's in control. And how it turns out, as long as it's you, it's and it's true, it's never wrong. Yeah, I mean, you know, growing up, obviously, it's such a big deal trying to find your identity. Even if you're the most normal kid in, in the world, you're going to have, yeah, like, yeah. all these struggles and insecurities and stuff. And then just anything that sets you apart from anyone in any fashion, you know, people seize upon it. Or even if oh, they yeah. don't, it becomes a huge thing. But it's really interesting. I don't know. Um, but I just, this is a really random, weird question. But uh, when you have played, you played a lot of D&D. When you play D&D characters, do you, do they have hair? <laughs> Some do and some don't. Like I, it okay. yeah, yeah. Because when you're younger playing, you make I, I think that you make kind of like dream version. Like, oh, here's this yeah. aspect of my personality. Here's that aspect of my personality. But it was never really like doting on that. It, it kind of gave me that the. It taught me the lesson of to look beyond things. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, but you know, now with the it, 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 it randomly, I have so many different characters that I play. It, it doesn't. 
yeah so for me like i love playing high charisma characters because i Uh feel like i'm fat and gross um i i have like you said i kind of have like an idealized and have for a long time like an idealized like fantasy version of myself that couldn't possibly exist but like it's kind of like it's kind of like me i don't think i have facial hair i have even longer hair and it's like green and i'm like way shorter and just really like i'm like average height and just really skinny and so like like my my characters kind of come close to that in some way you know it's not always the same but usually my build is a lot smaller because like you know it's just like well if we're playing pretend i want to be magic and i want to be hot you know it's like yeah yeah, yeah for sure yeah absolutely so that's why that's why it teach, came up i wish they Go would ahead. like like teach D D as a, as a class in school for kids because it lets you play other people and it gives you rather so many people have their own perspective or their own lens through things and when they're forced to play something else that's not them you're able to see through somebody else's eyes and, and also similar to, to like the tribalism like you get to, to, to test things out and go oh i'm normally quiet what if i'm louder like oh and you're taking risks but everyone is so supportive and that i mean theater and D are very similar in that sense where yeah. it doesn't matter what you look like what your sexuality is try something different and see what if it's okay it, it, because it all is a game yeah i i 100 agree i in sixth grade i took an improv class i had watched like whose line so i knew what improv was but i like never connected it to like oh i could i'm in an improv class i could be doing comedy like it was just never it was not a connection that i made it was just like yeah this seems like a better elective than like spanish or something but but i don't think it made me good enough at improv to like justify it as a class like that might as well have been like a DD class it would have been as helpful or whatever and taught a lot of the same skills you know maybe even more um so yeah i totally agree with that um i want to uh switch gears really quick um because the audience is very comfortable we've lured them in with this false sense of security <laughs> and now it's it's time for me to scream at them again so uh you know you you you've you've experienced this before audience and i'm i hate you and i'm really mad at you um no i'm actually kidding um we're not going to do that this time um but i but you know you you deserve it <laughs> but no i'm kidding um but what i do want to do is go into our classic segment um breaking what is it called the spencer's news corner just news corner is that what it is um so i'm filling to give kevin time to pull up the sound so he can play it and i assume he's probably about ready That's right, it's Spencer's News Corner, and in the news, the Nazis are at it again. Um, Following the saga of parents, Nazi parents, trying to stop what they call CRT, which is to say what is actually just uh, teaching about slavery in school. Uh, They want to get rid of it. Very Nazi thing to do. But while, you know, in all this fracas, uh, Senator uh, Ted Cruz was... um, seen uh defending the nazi salute uh saying that it's a constitutionally apprenticed thing to do like oh how can you get mad at people for doing nazi salutes uh you know which is uh an auspicious thing for nazis to say it's like what you got a problem with nazi salutes now it's like well yeah you're nazis like what i what what aren't you seeing here so yeah you know there i'm sure they're up to other hijinks as well if you could call them hijinks and not you know crimes against humanity but that that's that's spencer's news corner so yeah that'll do it (laughs) (laughs) and that was spencer's news corner 
All well, right. Um, I like that. Yeah. Well done. Well done, my friend. <laughs> Thank you so much. And thanks to Gastonod, who uh, makes the music for the show. As always, I appreciate it. Uh, we, we talked to him really recently on some sort of DM. And, you know, I'd love to give him money to make more songs. So maybe we'll try and work out an arrangement. I got to figure out a, a song of some sort, but that could be fun. Um, but yeah, uh, but but now it's actually time to take a short break and hear a word from our sponsors. Um, so uh, do you have any last words before we go to break, Derek? I, I like you very much awesome uh I, i'm glad because someone's gotta and it's not gonna be me you know <laughs> um, <laughs> all right but we'll take a break uh we'll be back with more that happens who is there i've been getting such good help for such a long time it's in fact too good but is there a way that i could get worse help that's where worse help comes in that's right we're worse help and we're coming to help you out but not very well but we charge you at cut rate prices for cut rate jobs uh well, one of our technicians uh derek craig is standing by who has this to say hey guys have you ever been by yourself and you wanted to have someone with you so you're not by yourself that's where we come in we're here to help i'm derek craig and i'll be your temporary friend for only a few dollars an hour that's right standing there commenting uh, uh, uh an elbow to the ribs just kind of hanging out in general uh the guy at a construction site who just kind of points at the road to kind of tell uh motorists that there's a sign in front of the guy that's also telling them to move over you know any kind of job like that is is kind of what we're we're aiming here at worse help and uh you know operators are standing by uh so you know use the uh the coupon code glock uh taking that again sorry guys you can leave this in we're all worse help guys here haha <laughs> uh but you know you could use the coupon code goblin flakes for 20 percent off your first worse help job that's worse help and we're back um uh so yeah hope you enjoy our sponsors as always we can't you know maintain the show without sponsors they give us tons and tons of money and it costs tons and tons of money to do the show so it would literally not be possible without the fine people at worse help or you know even old man crittenden's lavender infused lemonade or uh the root beer lemonade is a different project that's old man crittenden's uh old lemonade i believe it's just lemonade that's old um but yeah so i'm here I, i'm with derek uh he's having a good time i hope and uh oh, yeah. he certainly is is good at faking it if not but he is an actor so you guys can keep that in mind you know um <laughs> But I just wanted to say that, like, so what you were talking about with sword work and stuff, it gets mm -hmm. it to, like, uh, you know, your your Wikipedia is not super long, but it had a quote uh, for, like, Friday the 13th, where you spent a lot of time learning about child development. And, mm -hmm. you know, it, it kind of makes sense knowing that you had this actor's approach first. But obviously, you're a really contemplative, hardworking actor who does a lot of thinking about these roles. Is that, do you do that with every role? Or, you know, are some that you're just kind of like, I get it, I'm just supposed to be a menacing guy on the street? Or, you know, like... <laughs> How do, how do you do you, it seems like you have a very thorough process do you want to talk about that at all sure i mean in in general sure like it, it's it's a it, it's probably maddening to other people but no like no <laughs> no matter what you do it's always i love story like i feel like my life is i'm here to tell stories and understand like why you're telling a story and what the the parable is or the meaning for it, how it's going to benefit people or our tribe and by tribe i mean like our you know the world uh so I, I try to find like the humanity in characters I mean, i'm sure most actors do but 
even if it's a villain to find like no villain ever thinks that they're a villain it's like what's their angle on that because we all play different roles for each other in our own daily lives yeah. it's figuring out it's fun similar to D D is figuring out who that character is and so once you kind of map out that character that's when you get to have that that free playground to play because no matter it's i think it's an improv background no matter what you're throwing at me i'm still able to to play and even if it's off book or off um, it's not the dialogue that's written i can still play and go with somebody if they want to go off script or something so yeah i, I think so and especially i over the years now, since I've been so fortunate to play so many different iconic characters, that uh, like like you know, if it's a, if it's a built-in IP that that's people are already fans of, there's already an expectation. So I explain this on Swamp Thing, for example, where when you do an iconic character, it's almost like I'm a guest to somebody else's dreams because people have their own relationship, personal relationships to that character. Uh, like some people will be like, oh, like with Swamp Thing, like my my. My dad would always, he would, we weren't closer where we'd always watch Swamp Thing together, you know, when the episodes came out and when the TV show or we saw them every year we watched the movie. So there's always some sort of personal story of theirs tied into a lot of these iconic characters. And so the idea is to be respectful where you have to, you know, uh, do service to the people who are the, the, who have those relationships and the fans from the past, but also you have to take a risk for something new for new fans being turned onto it for the first time to hopefully right. draw them in for other, you know, they'll be interested to check out the past. So it's a wild, you know, teeter totter balancing act between the two. Cause again, like my job is just the, as a lot of the iconic characters, I'm not going to be the last guy to play any of these iconic characters. So my job is if, if the game is don't let the, the feather hit the floor is to keep that feather up for the next guy and so people are happy and they, they feel taken care of because we all I, I've done it where there's a character that I love and someone someone newscast. I'm like, OK, let's see what happens. And if it's if I'm upset or am I not upset, but I'm, like, oh, I'm disappointed. I don't want to be disappointed and I, I don't want to give that disappointment to other people. I want to keep their positive feelings and memories of that character alive as best I can. Yeah, so that kind of makes it sound a little bit like making some sort of adaptation where it's like, you know, you're kind of adapting it, but you're just adapting the character for your body. Or it also kind of reminds me of like being a mascot or something. Here's a weird story. I used to belong to a church that had uh, in my hometown, there was this thing called the 3rd of July event, which um, was like the 4th of July event, but pyromancers are cheaper to book on the 3rd. So our town would would book pyromancers for a, a fireworks show and it would be this big event. It was like one of the biggest events in the whole town. Um, everyone would come to like these big fields and it was kind of like a festival or a carnival kind of uh, town event. And our church would do outreach at the event. They had booths with uh, face painting and like games where you can win prizes and stuff. And they also had teams that would hand out like branded water bottles with stickers saying like, come to our church and stuff. And I was tasked with being the church mascot, which, uh, you know, uh, so if you think of Christianity, what animals come to mind? Uh, I, Kevin, go ahead. Fire away. That, that's right. Polar bears are the first polar thing you bears. think of when you yes. think of Christianity. Polar bears. So, 
yeah so i i had a big polar bear costume that i would um walk around in it had like a shirt because we also would all wear these red shirts that had like the 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 church branding on them with the names and stuff uh Mm. so people would know we were all affiliated and so i was a giant uh polar bear wearing the shirt and we would just kind of walk around and i'd sweat really hard and kids would come up to me and most of them would want to hug me or you know be nice and then occasionally people would want to poke at me and stuff but nothing you know you hear some horror stories nothing was so bad that i was like ah these kids are causing me problems you know it was just a <laughs> yeah, lot of fun but but seeing through like the the polar bear's mouth at these kids that are looking at you with this love in their eyes that's like this doesn't make any sense i'm not i'm not a mickey mouse i'm just like i'm literally just like an animal mm. costume you know that's not attached to any greater meaning but people just project this thing onto it and it's like so yeah my job is just to keep that going it's like you already have this thing in your head i have no idea what that is i just have to not like ruin it for you obviously you have a clear mandate when it's a character that exists but it seems kind of like that where it's like it's about preserving this relationship more than it is kind of you know putting myself into this character what's this character as reflected through me as an actor what am i bringing to the table you know how do i get in the mind you know obviously that stuff is part of it but it seems less you know less personal and more just like you know we got to preserve what this concept is for the people who are going to ultimately see it i don't know maybe that's not profound but it no, seems no, pretty no. interesting you're, you're on the right page absolutely like it's also like no matter what like if the three of us were to play like captain hook we're all going to bring something different to it because of you know our, our past and how you know our difference our personal stories that we're telling so it, you're completely right about that. And also, do you have a picture of that, uh, of you in that polar bear outfit? Because that would be lovely to see. Yeah, I, I, I don't know. I wish. I, uh, I, I have like a book, uh, like a photo album that was called, my parents had made uh, photo albums of all the kids that were called the book of blank with the name. So mine was the book of Spencer. I suppose that's like a religious reference, you know, to the Bible or something. Um, uh-huh. But I think I have like a stripped down version of the book of Spencer, but I don't think there's any photos of me. I, I could take a look, but I don't have a lot of like, it's weird. Like, I, I don't know. I don't have, I don't have a strong personal connection to my past. I don't have a good memory of my past. Like a lot oh. of it is just gone. Um, but like, I specifically don't have a lot of physical memento ties to my past. I think my parents had those. I don't know if they mm-hmm. still do, you know, they've split up and my mom's moved houses several times and my dad uh, left the country. So I don't think he really took, you know, much of consequence or if he did, I don't know. They has it um, still. So yeah, I don't even know where a lot of that stuff is, uh, but, but what yeah, you- I, I when you're Go talking ahead. about past, like, do you, do you remember like, remembering the past? Is it just like you don't remember like dates or like when things happen or just actual events? It's all just really foggy. Like everything from from like high school and before that, I just have very little recollection of. And the few memories I have are mostly relatively negative. But it's mostly just like a big fog. Like even when I was in high school, uh, like I couldn't remember like the first three years of high school at all. Like I couldn't remember my friends. Like mm. I couldn't remember. It was just. It's a very. It's still a very strange thing to me. You know. Mm. Uh, sometimes that's associated with like trauma and stuff. But there was yeah, never yeah. really anything big that happened to me that would explain it you know at least unless i've completely repressed it but yeah it's it is a very strange thing to me and it 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 happened before i started smoking weed so i can't even blame that like that would make perfect sense um but like it really was a big deal like big thing for me since way before that so yeah it's it's i don't know it's um it's weird i'm I'm on the way of like i don't remember a lot of like 
dates people are like oh on that date at this time i'm like yeah also like with like i love music but it's like but your favorite band like what's that song's name i'm like you know the one that goes like this i don't i don't know it's the weirdest thing so that's what's really wild yeah i also don't have a memory for that sort of stuff but it's just like if i saw a movie last week i couldn't tell you even the name of it like it's it's <laughs> it's really weird uh especially back then i think like after high school my memory's gotten better like of those events there i have like stronger but it's still kind of an issue but it, it, i don't know it's kind of weird um but so you know you're doing acting and voice acting now like do you get typecast you know or are there kind of characters that you kind of typically play you know obviously you have a <laughs> You seem like a guy who's very, whose typecast is very different than your actual energy. You know, like you seem like, oh, you know, fun dad to me. Like, well, obviously you've been acting for years and years. And obviously I'm, I'm sure you're not getting hired for a ton of fun dad kind of things. Oh, you know, no. I, I would imagine more, you know, menacing guy on street or something. You know, that's I hope usual. that's not insulting, but. Yeah, um, it, it's kind of changed over the years. It used to be like I'd walk into like a liquor store and people would like grab their purses or yeah, you know yeah. they would like stare at you in the, the, the weird you know circular mirror like making sure like there's not going to be trouble but mm-hmm. now it's kind of gotten to the point where they're like i'll come in and they're like oh thank you very do you get the officer discount and, and i'm like <laughs> can i i'm not an officer like that's <laughs> i mean weird. if you're offering yeah <laughs> yeah I, I have like also like my normal neutral face is just pure murder and like mm-hmm. I could be thinking of like happiest things in the world, and I'm just thinking, and I, I've kind of adapted this thing where I, I get overly uh, energetic or performative. Uh, yeah, yeah, my voice gets higher. Me uh, too. Yeah, because I'm like, is it because we're a bigger guy? It's that I think mm-hmm. subconsciously it's that tribal appeasement signals. Like, look, I'm smiling. I'm not against you. Like Chewbacca's on our team. I'm not here to hurt you. It's it's submission like it's you know dogs kind of will even for a younger dog they'll go on their side and present their belly to be like i'm not a threat to you you know i think it's the same thing i slump i talk in a higher voice than is very typical you know as a kid uh when i was in like third grade i remember a very formative memory for me a kid half my size was running running smashes just directly into me and is like watch where you're going and then he looks up and sees me and is like oh my god please don't hurt me and ran away <laughs> and i was like he had this whole you know story took place and to me i was just like oh i bumped into a kid you know it's like i never yeah. th- but it's like th- at that age to be all like oh this is how the world sees you is like a really weird thing and you know so like a big thing for me is like um, when i'm walking around i notice that parents clutch their kids tighter you know oh. or glare at me when i'm walking past Um, you know, I've had people run into me on the street and scream as if I was going to accost them or something before realizing that I'm just walking down the street and, uh, it's, it, it's very, uh, hurtful, you know, but it makes you realize like how the word world sees you. And it's like, well, I want to project an energy that, you know, downplays any of these threats. So I'd imagine something like that kind of happens to you too. I mean, you know, I think I look more like a dirty, weird guy, but you do, you look like you could be like a, just an imposing, you know, dangerous person, you know? Um, (laughs) I I do have a bad side, but I, I, I I call it the, the Swayze roadhouse technique. Or it's always be nice until it's time not to be nice. Yeah. Like I will, my life philosophy is no one is better than anybody else. Uh, You know, do what you love and try to get better at it. Uh, But respect people until they give you a reason not to. And I I have, I'm trying to back away from it now where I I had that hero complex where I'm like, oh, I've been 
kicked in the face by professional, you know, UFC fighters. And like, oh, you're picking on that guy. There you go. Oh, I'll just step in and go like, hey, you need to settle down. Or at the bar, hey, my lady friend's not, she's not, she has a boyfriend. I'm sure you're probably not, you know, understanding that you're, you're making her feel uncomfortable. No, let's have a drink. Everything's cool. But I've gotten to the point now, especially with my, um, with my wife, I go, hey, man, so much of this, as I'm learning, as I'm getting older and older, like the, the male machismo bullshit that people put forward, it's just a lot of the anger stuff is just fear and insecurity. So yeah. I, I told her, I go, look, I go, if something goes sour somewhere, which where things have gone bad before, uh, or if we're out in the public, I'm like, please, I'm not, I'm trying to put that. It's very hard for me to put that ego side away going like people can call me whatever they want and they can do whatever they want, but if they become physical or, you know, if, if something becomes like if there's a danger time is about to happen to either you or me and I go, it's go time. We will go. And I go, I don't want that to happen. I'll try to talk and get out of that. And I'll be cool about it. But if you cross that line, I've drawn that boundary we can do this, but it's, but ultimately there's no reason to, if you can get out of it. Like I, when I used to teach martial arts, there's no, there's such a huge insecurity in people. And they learn things from film. Like this is how I'm supposed to act. I'm supposed to. Yeah. And a lot of people have never been hit before in their entire lives. Right. And like it's, there's no, there's no need for it. I'm, I'm sorry. I'm just going on tangent. I just, no, no, I, things. I hear what you're saying. Um, but yeah, I think that there's also like the, the I think like for, for winding this stuff down, it's like often it's like just leave this person and out, try and like present yeah. them without saying it, like kind of guide them down to path of de-escalation where it's like, oh, this was actually my idea. I'm not taking this cue from you because it's like, like, like you're saying, no one wants to get in a fight. They just don't really see any alternative in the moment. And they're so hyped up that it's like, God damn it. You know, but you know, unless you're a, a violence person i think that generally you kind of you don't you aren't get gripping for that and your body is just amping up and fight or flight and it doesn't it doesn't yeah. want to do anything it's just it's doing this that's making everything worse so it's like you kind of you kind of got to step in and, and kind of help help yeah 100%. give people an out yeah because people see things in different lenses and a lot of times it's like rather than arguing there's a there's a book that changed my life called Nonviolent communication it doesn't really have anything to do with with violence, but it has to deal with how you communicate. Rather than trying to win an argument or a confrontation, you're trying to understand. And that mm-hmm. was a, a big game changer for me. Like I've been before where people were like cursing and like telling me like, you're this, you're that, you mother. Blah, blah, blah. I'm like, cool, what else? What, 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 and as long as you can keep that, 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 that cool, like, cool. Like now let's figure out why you're doing it. Like, obviously, there's something there's there's a sore on you that either I'm reminding you of or I'm pressing on. Let's figure this out. And I, right. I've, I've a lot of times, like especially playing so many tough guy characters over the years, like that's basically my my bread and butter is I'm gonna punch you in the face and throw you out a window. I, I go to these conventions and I meet a y- lot of young men who are who will get that that almost like animalistic or. Uh, uh, primal, like, yeah, dude, I, I, I want to bash him in the face too. I want to fucking smash him for no. And I'm like, no, 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 you don't understand. I go, what you're doing right now is you're wearing a mask and you're not, you know, saying how you feel because because there's that anger there and that anger comes from fear. You can't have anger without fear because when that fear hits, you're going to protect yourself and the way you're protecting yourself is that anger. And so I try to de escalate going, like, man, I, I go, I, I can have a conversation with you. And uh, I could cry and tell you that you hurt my feelings, 
But also on the flip side, if things go sour, I could also knock you out as well. And I go, so you don't ever want to go there. That's your last card. But being able to express that, I'm just trying to reach out to going like, man, there's better ways to do this and how we're kind of taught without communication. Just try to understand the guy. Like if you, like the guy like at a bar, like if someone were to walk over to you, Spencer, and like, fuck you, you I'm going to kick your ass. Like, what are you doing? Like sitting next to my girl. And you automatically get mad. I didn't do anything. What are you talking about? And now you're both jockeying for who's going to do what or your, your threats or whatever. But when you find out the guy like just lost his parents, you know, in an auto accident and, you know, there's something, you know, per personally going on with him and you can relate to that and understand his emotions and going, oh, you know what, man, I lost mine in this. And, like, and then you have a bond and then he people people aren't able to travel. And, and uh, some of us don't have uh, teachers or or people that we've met to help guide right. us through the difficulties in life. And yeah. they're only dealing with some of these pressure situations the way that they've been taught or know how. Right. So Yeah, conflict modeling from, you know, their role models or whatever. Absolutely, absolutely. So it's hard, you know, at times to kind of put that in check and try to look for the subtext because you want to take it for face value. But you you learn to understand uh, uh, with that book, the way to, to listen, even if people don't know the technique, is listening and going, okay, I'm going to be able to come off nonviolently and try to ex explain to you like what's going on. And we can try to find, you know, a way to get out of this because ultimately it's not worth like, I've heard stories of guy like professional boxers getting in fights at bars and like knocking a guy out and the guy hit his head on the curb and died. And the guy went to jail, you know, the boxer went to jail because he's a professional. Yeah. It's not, it's not worth hurting somebody or taking their lives unless you, your life or your persona is threatened. Yeah, but uh, serious. Th Holy shit, what happened? Like, no, it's Jeff cool. Davis, that guy's balls are huge. I mean, I like talking about real stuff. It's it's a lot more fun. But, you know, I wanted to say that what you said, like a anger comes from fear. Um, at the Apple store, um, I learned that, you know, uh, disappointment, upset customers, you know, people get upset when they have a misset, like when their expectations were not met. So it's mm -hmm. like they have this expectation. It didn't come to pass. And then, yeah, and I think in a lot of cases that that leads to fear because it's like, oh, if this expectation didn't come to pass, then what else is that I have been assuming is true is also false. Like your whole reality might crumble, you know, but um, also at the Apple store, they, they taught us how to, to talk, talk people down and stuff. I, I swear to God, oh, like it, it was one of the most helpful things in my whole life. Just dealing with people socially was the training at the Apple store. One of these days, I think I'm gonna, I'm gonna try and talk about it a bit more in depth um, with a segment I'm going to be calling um, hardcore backdoor apple store deep lore so um you know the fans can look look forward to that but I it is love like love that <laughs> it's it's more than anything in church which i think that church has taught me good lessons you know i overall don't think uh don't like religion um you know whatever people do whatever but for me right. i don't think it you know taught me too much but i think apple store did more for me than like anything else in understanding how people think how to relate to people how to yeah, not pe yeah. have people mad at me and it's it's i i really wish everybody could go through kind of some of that training um but but what i really want to talk about is dungeons and dragons um so <laughs> Uh, how many how many games are you playing in now do you play do you dm do you bo do both like what, I, what's what's I, your situation right now i'm a player in two different games right now um mm -hmm. and uh, we're, we're uh, both of them are, are on pause because uh, a lot of the guys and ladies are in the industry and right now people have different jobs uh, uh that are just kicking back in so we're trying to figure out times to play 
but I, especially during this pandemic, playing through D and D, playing D and D Beyond, and through Roll Twenty has been mm-hmm. the best thing in the world. Just setting the Zoom up and spending time with friends like that's been my. I haven't been doing improv, you know, every weekend like I used to, and you know, going out and socializing. It's been a really good escape for me. Yeah, I haven't played very much D and D, probably my whole life. You know, I, I people have this perception of me as the D and D guy because of Harmontown. But you know, uh, outside of Harmontown, like I basically have played very little D and D. My games have been pretty infrequent. I've thought a lot about it, but you know, as a DM, sometimes you do a lot of thinking and not a lot of actual playing. You know, so I, I have a lot of insecurity about that. But during the pandemic, I played a few games here and there. Um, you know, a couple scattered times, and just those times were like, man, this is so great and in the absence of being able to be anywhere like this is such a great social experience in a way that like a general zoom hang isn't or something you know it was just so good and you know it's kind of like we were saying earlier that like D is just like an enriching experience that kind of helps helps people you know role-playing in general like even you know therapy involves role-playing and stuff and i think just being able to take off you know your your skin or whatever uh can can kind of help you understand things uh in different ways you know and i don't know it's just so cool but um so yeah uh who are you what are you what are your characters in those two games oh uh the one campaign uh i play uh braga Breton, who is um uh, uh he is a a battle master fighter but nice. my brain right now uh, uh uh is not working uh he is a um i play dnd all the time and i haven't played for three weeks and my brain is going you know the guy that under the who swims like the, the i forget the the race of that i'm losing my mind right now and i I'm if they all swim my are they like a aquatic elf yeah i mean I get, okay i'm trying to I, i'm gonna look it up right now i'm a freaking idiot i'm very mad i'm like everyone listening is a D fan i'm losing my D card i tell you man no, lately yeah he's a, I don't, derek's a fake gamer girl is what oh, we're finding man. out I, I don't know if it's because i've been hit in the face so many times in my life or Can't help. what but my brain on things with references i'm like you know that guy from that that who plays frankenstein in the old you know it's called yeah the monsters derek fucking say it you dum-dum um <laughs> yeah but uh uh, uh yeah the, the games are fun because uh, uh uh i'm looking at the character right now and I'll, I'll break it down for you um the games are fun because there's, there's different like kind of like Similar to different improv shows, there's different kind of levels of, of like playing. Where like one of yeah. the games is like dead serious, where like everyone it's mm-hmm. like a, like a novel. Where there are comedy, you know, the comedy comes from the situations, and no one's cracking jokes or, or anything like that on purpose. Yeah. But the other one is more like that, where it's more fun and it's like you know you're you're making jokes out loud and and not playing like oh no, sir Ronald McDonald is here and that type of stuff. But uh, mm-hmm. both are fun, but just different you know ways to play it. Yeah, I mean, you know, I think that I kind of have only ever played my way um, because I DM almost all of my games Um, and, you know, maybe with a like if I was playing with a critical role cast or something, maybe the game would be different. But I think a lot of it kind of comes from how the DM sets it up. And but I'm super interesting in all these other ways. Like I, I, I can only do it my way, but I'm very jealous of all the other ways people do it. It seems so impressive and stuff. Yeah, it's fun. Like I, I did one of those. um I've done a couple of charity uh, events for like mental health, like a different comic cons for, I, would, I wasn't at the comic con, but I would phone in with, with friends like, like Mike Mark Mir, uh, who's big into uh, the, the, the D and D world. Um, but uh, uh, it, 
forgot the point that I was going to make. Like I keep looking for my character. I'm going to go, I, I don't have my sign in right now. And I feel like a total, this is totally interesting. And it's totally that's okay. stupid. Um, um, if you don't find it, that's fine. Uh, if you, if there's any other D and D characters throughout your life that you favored, oh, like no, one no, of my I, favorite characters was like a rat sorcerer, a rat man sorcerer. Yeah. Um, and like I, I, he died, and I brought him back as like a villain. Um, he was like an undead kind of sorcerer kind of guy. I love that. That's uh, it's. It's always fun. Like, <laughs> I like playing like like keeping things mysteries. Where a lot of the guys I perform with, either professional writers or um, I mean, you don't doesn't really matter or D or improv artists. Where like we'll make our own subplots or our sub things that happen, you know. And we'll the guys the DM are so good. Like it's there is no error on their part and they're just rolling with it as it goes. And it's just so fascinating to me. Like, and I feel so lucky to be able to play with these guys. It's so freaking cool. Like yeah. how they switch and just keep, you know, the, the reality of what's going on. By the time I yeah. find this, by the way, it'll be the end of the entire that, show. Or like, that could be fun. This guy. I mean, so, you don't, if you don't want to, it's, it's totally fine. I just, you know, I, I need to, I need to come up with questions and then say them oh, to fill no, time. No, no. And so it's, <laughs> I just did a, a fun like reveal thing where I had this character wear a mask, uh, and, and uh, we were starting off at level one, where mm-hmm. uh, uh, people didn't know what he was, and he was kind of quirky and weird, like a ranger, and they weren't sure. Uh, but then the reveal, he's very kind of scarecrow like and weird. But then mm-hmm. uh, it was revealed that he was a reborn, which mm-hmm. is the uh, uh, the undead, like where like a Frankenstein, like people didn't know he was dead, and they're like, yeah. what? And it blew That's everyone's so cool. mind, which is so fun. That's the kind of shit I want. Like, I want more character stuff. Um, I'm, I'm DMing a game right now. Um, but like, and you know, no, uh, no offense to anybody, but one of the guys is like really getting into it with his character backstory. And I'm like, this is so interesting. Um, but you know, I don't think we got there with, uh, there's people are going to fucking listen to this and they're going to get mad at me, whatever. Everybody, you're doing a great job. I'm, I'm so happy <laughs> you're here. It's just an interesting contrast, uh, but where the one, one guy was, um, you know, really going hard into the backstory because as a DM, I do feel like it gives me ideas to bounce off of. And it, like you were saying, it's like they're rolling with the character stuff. They're given the DM like that, like get, it kind of makes my job easier. And it kind of feels like I'm kicking more ass. If it's like, you throw this at me, I'm going to fucking throw it back at you. And it's like, Holy shit. Was yeah, that planned? Yeah. And it's like, it, you get these really great gameplay moments. Um, when everyone That's- is really feeling their characters and, and living yeah. in them, you know? And it's cool um, seeing what, what the you know, different choices and how people play off each other, different like di- di- dynamics. Like oh, so like I have my character now, so I'm an awesome. idiot, an absolute idiot. Uh, he's a Triton by a battle master. Triton, uh, okay. So he's uh, uh, he just came of age, so he's like five five, and he like, compared to everybody else, he's kind of like that that hero leader mentality. But but one thing I was playing with him, which is cool, he had a high charisma. So for the battle master, I chose uh, uh, like the commanding presence and the things that would boost, you know, uh, him being able to command. So now it's super high through the roof. Like we've gone through battles uh, where, like you know, talking our like we're going, we're going to get murdered. Like we're so compared to like this like white like we're doing uh, the Icewind Dale stuff right now. Mm-hmm. Oh, nice! And like having confrontations, going we're going to die, but because of having the high persuasion and him being able to use his battle master. Uh, 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 die and add that to the persuasion. It adds it so high. So some of these crazy battles we've won just from interaction and, t- and politics, like talking and trying to get yeah. through. Yeah. Going mm-hmm. like we would have lost every. We had a, a, a total party kill if this didn't go right. 
but it, it's so fun because like you're the way everyone when everyone's playing serious it's like you're watching a movie and some of the like I've like you know got emotional and, and teared up at certain points because that's what the character's doing, and we've committed so much, and everyone's we. I, I love that moment because it's just all of us as children playing on the playground, but we've all agreed upon here are the rules, and everyone's playing the rules to their fullest, and I love those moments, and I love everybody else's characters. Yeah, that's that's the thing that like I come back to is that when I was a kid, we played pretend. I played pretend a lot longer and it kind of got more regimented and structured as as we went where it's like, okay, we're going to be Pokemon and we're going to be in the world of Pokemon and stuff. Mm -hmm. And but, you know, but it was kind of just like freestyle role playing and I didn't know what role playing was. But then I found that out and I was like, that's what I've been doing, you know, and then we keep doing it. But, you know, people stop playing pretend and then it becomes a childish thing, you know, but it's like there's no you know everything we do is pretend thinking is pretend you know we're just inventing all this stuff and pretending it's real you know uh but being in the world is pretending you know it's playing a character you know um so like i it's it's i think it's so core to who we are and it's such a it's such a good thing to uh experience and be involved in but you know i, I don't know i just uh, it's just a shame that not everybody does it but you know i think we're yeah. in a big D D resurgence so i don't know it's, it, which i love so much i mean it's such a great like doodle pad for people to kind of yes. test things out and to play and go it's okay because you can make mistakes like figure out you, you can figure out from story like how to navigate your own life and now you're telling a new story and you, you learn how to work with other people, I, you know, in the work environment and how to you know bounce off, especially if you're doing like a online with people you've never met before, the, the give and take. And some people are strong at something, but they're, you know, that's another, the, the big thing I think from role playing in general, because it wasn't just Dungeons and Dragons. Like I played so many other, you know, like chill, uh, werewolf, uh, uh, vampire mm-hmm. masquerade. There's so many different other things, yeah. but you learn that when you're making your character, here are the good things, but guess what? The, Superman is super strong and has all his powers, but also he has kryptonite. So you, the, 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 the pros and the cons of people, and then it helps you get that, that self interflection to find out what are my pros and cons. And even a con you learn it's not necessarily, it's not bad. It just defines who you are. And it's just the way that you were rolled. So it's like either if you're yeah. uncomfortable with it, change it. If not, that's just how you are, man. Like we all have friends who are, you know, to one person, they might be, you know, overly, you know, funny and energetic, but on that same radio dial, you slide over to the right, that same person becomes annoying and like, won't shut up, like shut the fuck up. So you kind of figure out where your radio dial is and you're able to, you know, maneuver that depending on the situation. Yeah, uh, a, a piece of advice I've heard from Mark Rosewater, a game designer who makes Magic the Gathering. It's one of the favorite, my favorite pieces of advice or wisdom or whatever. Uh, but he says your greatest strength or your greatest weakness is your greatest strength pushed too far. So for me, that's like I think that my greatest strength is being a freaking genius. Uh, so you know, <laughs> pushing that too far becomes I, I'm paralyzed by f- indecision. I overthink everything. I'm insecure and anxious as a result of thinking so much about everything all the time and the cool thing about the the wisdom to me is it helps you reframe um things you don't like about your stuff uh, about yourself as just an inevitable consequence of things that you do like about your stuff i love the fact that i'm smart you know and it's not yeah. all good it's it's a mixed bag but but being able to be all like oh this thing that i hate about them myself maybe it's part of something else that i like about myself and so i can accept it more has been like a really cool thing um to learn and oh. internalize for me 
I love that, Spencer. It's so cool. Because, again, it helps you, like, look at other people. Well, like, I, I see people, like, talking down to people. Like, like, someone will talk down to, like, a server or, like, yeah. I need this or I want that or a service person. I'm like, motherfucker, like, a lot of us have jobs to get by, and that's not our own. It could be your skill set. It could not be your skill set. But similar to, like, role-playing games going, oh, man, Spencer has a high strength. Like, he's the one that's going to open the door. But when it comes to, you know, picking a lock, I'm really good at dexterity. Like, let me, I'll do that. And so it makes you look at other people and respect them in other aspects of life. So when I meet someone, I'm like, oh, man, like, what's, we all have something special. Like, what's special about you? And even if it's like, I love picking up garbage, like, oh, it doesn't matter what it is. I'm like, dude, that's awesome. Like, if you're good and you love it and you're happy, you're a millionaire like, in life. Like, that's fucking great. So it, yeah. it, when people sort of, I see, like, I, I've done things like, I should even say, like, I've met, like, you know, like powerful people or our CEOs or, or you know, big producers. And I, I, I talk about stuff like this with them where I'm like, hey, man, no offense. I go, your skill set? Like what you're really good at is leading people in business and I'm putting things together. I go, but like if the zombie apocalypse happens, like you're, there's no need for you. You know, the the farmers are the guys that you, you you know, you're talking down to, you know, those are the guys that are going to help us or people are going to survive in that situation. I go like right, right now I go, can your lawyers or money, if I decided to physically choke you, I, I wish I would, I would never do. I'm not, I'm just saying like perspective wise, because people are used to everyone bowing down to you. If I were to do that, would you be able to stop me? No, I'm right. not being a jerk. I'm just making a point. And I go, so sure. your skill sets in different areas. I learned also, in, which blew my mind in school, that, uh, 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 sorry, I mean, back up. There are seven different forms of intelligence. And I wish I learned this when I was younger. Because I, I missed out on some of the school because of my hair falling out. And I was like, oh, I'm different and sad. Like, I, don't, I didn't want to go to class. But I learned uh, 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 later on, there's seven different forms of intelligence. And in school, we only test for two of those. So there's right. like musical intelligence. There's physical intelligence, like an athlete. There's, uh, there's so many different ones that I'm like, oh, man, it's okay to be me. And I try to spread it to other people. Like, oh, I meet somebody like, oh, Derek, you did this or you did that. I, I go, well, what do you do? Like, oh, I, I, oh, let me tell you this. I'll tell you a quick little story. If we have time, is that okay? Yeah. Uh, the, uh, I met a guy at a com. He was like, oh, Mr. Mears, like, you did this. I saw him. I like this film that you were in. Um, uh, so cool. I go, cool. Like, well, what do you do? Like, oh, his, his shoulders slumped. And he was kind of forward. And he had like a, a, a child, uh, like a, a teenage kid with him, which was his son. And he goes, oh, I, I'm just the mechanic. And I'm like, brother, right. Go, stop right there. And I go, we all have our skills. And I go, when it comes to cars, I have no idea how to fix a car. Like, that's your skill set? I go, when my car breaks down, you help me out so I can do what I love. Mine is to tell stories and, and ultimately, to, hopefully, to let people know that it's going to be okay. You know, that's kind of the purpose of story in general is that you're not alone or somebody has it just as bad as you so you can relate. So I go, there's no hierarchy. I go, so thank you for doing what you do. And this whole time when his dad started talking, this kid was kind of like, oh, dad, like, come on. Like, Ugh. And not very respectful to his father. But as I was talking to him about this, I noticed the gentleman started to pull his shoulders back and he started to stand up straight. And he's like, you know what, Mr. Mears? Like, I've never thought of it that way. Like, that makes me feel really good. And then I go, so, sir, I'm a fan of you for what you do as a mechanic. So thank you. And his kid, like, the face changed and he's looking at his dad and he's like, 
before it's like, oh, my dad's being an idiot. It's like, oh, my dad's cool. Okay. Oh, cool. So that made me feel great because I honestly feel that we all have something to add. It's just kind of some of us don't know what that is right away, but we can figure that out. Yeah, there's this thing where people, if they're not like taught that, like, oh, actually, you can grow and learn and become better at stuff, you kind of go, yeah. go I'm just this or I'm just that, and nothing's ever going to change. And it's such a toxic mindset that we teach people. But at the same time, like, there's something so magnetic about someone who's in their element, you know, doing something they're good at, talking about something they enjoy. You know, it doesn't matter what it is. It's just there's something attractive about that that draws you in. And it doesn't matter if it's, you know, mechanicing or, you know, picking up garbage or whatever. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, it looks like we're out of time do you have any last minute things to plug oh i uh i if, if you get bored i have my own social medias it's my name Derek mears uh, uh on all of them like, like on twitter facebook or or instagram if you want to I, I have it open to the public because like like everyone can look and see i have nothing to hide like i'll interact with people and have fun um i, I have a, a project on netflix coming out at some point i don't know when it's going to come out though um that's called guardians of justice like a mm -hmm. you'll probably you'll probably dig it spencer knowing what you like it's like a I'll superhero it satire but it switches genre of uh, of uh, like animation it'll start off like in live action and then it mm -hmm. will go into like japanese animation or, or uh, anime uh then it will switch to like claymation then it will switch to like video games but telling a, a thorough like a through line pretty cuckoo and crazy but it was just playing at the it got accepted and aired at the cons series festival which is awesome. super fun so yeah, yeah that'll be out very soon yeah so check that out uh you know whatever i i don't really have anything to plug um i just have one last question which is uh would you ever want to come and play D D with us on the podcast sometime are you kidding me whenever you want me i would love awesome it. Well, we've been we've been big, we've been really uh, bite, uh, I don't know champing at the bit to get Kevin like a full D and D episode, but I need more people to play off of Kevin. I think so. You know, we might have to bring you back for that. I think the fans might dig that. But the, yeah, so I'll just kill the show. Thanks so much, guys. Uh, you know, go with God, shit with Satan. Don't smoke back salt, and uh, have a good foot. Thank you, everybody, and also happy Halloween. Yeah, happy Halloween, hey, everybody. <laughs> Woohoo!